Hey guys, so the last couple of weeks I wrote a couple articles. One of them is called, uh, what is it called? What is money and how will blockchain change money? And the other one is on market outlook after the Fed's FOMC meeting in March, which is just a couple of weeks ago. So I got some questions on these. I'm going to cover a few of those questions, but some of you told me that these videos are way too long. So I'm going to try to make them shorter and try to be more succinct, which is a challenge to me and cause, cause I know I have the tendency to ramble, but let's see how this goes. I, I will try to cover this one in under half an hour. Okay. So that's the challenge for today and wish me luck in that. Uh, the first question from Adi Yogi Dasol, will government stop that from happening because they want more control on economy and money supply? So this is referring to, um, one of the point that I made, uh, is that, uh, in the, what is money article is that once you have so many tokens on chain and you have increased liquidity because uh, everything is on chain, it's like internet of value, everything can be in interchanged though at cheaply and quickly. So increased liquidity, increased financial innovation, cheap financial innovation, it will just make the credit and debt level explode even more on top of what the high level that we already see today, especially in advanced economies. And on top of that, so, so this person's question is, so uh, why, why would, why will governments, you know, uh, allow that to happen? So this is uh, very similar to, um, the longstanding question that people always ask is uh, why would government allow blockchain to happen, right? Why would government allow Bitcoin? W w wouldn't they just ban it? And my short answer is, I don't think so. Uh, if you look at uh, the currencies around the world, there we have about 30 currencies, 30 countries that run a fixed exchange rate. So basically their, their currency is packed to some other currencies such as the US dollar or Euro. And then we have about 20 countries that don't have legal tender at all. So they're just using a foreign currency as their money. And then you have another about 30 countries that runs the so-called currency board, which is just a regional ab agreement where you agree to have a fixed exchange rate among your neighbors. It's like a, your area is a currency board. So we're talking about over 40% of the countries in the world that already have you know, very, very limited control over their money supply because you, when you have a fixed exchange rate, you kind of, uh, you're at the mercy of, uh, of, of the currency of the monetary policy of the, of the currency that you're packed to, right? So if you're packed to us dollar and us dollar and U us federal reserves monetary stance is expensive. You have to follow suit because, because you, you have to maintain your pack. So, that, that, that really, uh, gives, uh, countries a lot less wiggle room in terms of conducting their, uh, independent, uh, you know, independently control their money supply. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I, I, what, what it tells me is that contrary to popular perception, if there is such a popular perception, um, you see a good chunk of the countries in the world, they don't really care all that much about the sovereignty of monetary policy because they're choosing to either pack their exchange rate or not have legal tender at all. So what do they do care about? 
countries care about stability, right? So why do you run a fixed exchange rate? The biggest benefit is stability in your trade and in your international trade activities in your cross-border financial activities. You don't have the risk and uncertainty when the, of, of, of about exchange rate moving up and down and creating additional hassle for people who are transacting. So that is the biggest benefit is stability. And that is the biggest concern of, of governments about, uh, about blockchain, about financial innovation on chain is not because of the sovereign, it's not because it's largely not of a, you know, control or money supply concern. It's largely a financial stability concern. Cause the thing, if you, if you, because the because the financial regulators have so little uh, uh, regulation over the DeFi space and you know the on-chain economy at all, unlike in the banking sector, you know you have a capital ratio, liquidity ratio. These regulations kind of you know uh, keep 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 in check the risk-taking behaviors of financial intermediation. On-chain, there's no regulation at all. So there is a financial stability concern with all this leveraging cycle and deleveraging cycle. The boom and bust tend to be super huge, right? Much bigger volatility than you typically would see in your traditional financial system. So that is the biggest concern for most governments. So that's why you hear more and more noises about regulation and so on and so forth, because I think really this is the biggest worry. It's not because, uh, you know, you want to control my supply or you want to you know, control your currency or so that, so, so that's that. And, and, and then, and, and also th this is why I'm, I'm optimistic, right? Because then it will take the regulators a while to figure out, okay, what kind of regulations we can put in place to make sure the thing does not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't run itself to the ground and, uh, you know, cause vast spillover to the rest of the financial system, right? And bring everything else down when the thing gets too big, uh, but at the same time, you want to encourage financial innovation. All right. So, um, in the meantime, if the if the thing grows so fast and the government really has no clue of, uh, in the short term, how to actually regulate the thing, maybe temporarily they will shut it down like what China did. All right. So even with even the China like a crypto ban, I don't think that is a permanent thing. It's just, you know, regulators need to take a step back and study the thing and realize, okay, how and, and come up with a plan of how they can regulate the damn thing. So uh, that and I, I'm very optimistic about about this. So that that would be my my baseline. Uh, next question from Rag K. How, how does this rearrange description? distribution of debt between poor and rich. The rich will obviously have more token leading to higher credit rate for them to, for them compared to others. So what he's asking is, um, I made a point in the article that we're going to see higher, higher credit creation. We're going to see higher debt and we are going to see more evenly distributed debt across income levels because, you know, like if you look at today, in order to borrow, like on, as an individual, it, it, it requires you to have collateral in order to borrow money, right? In the TreFi system. So what, what are typical collaterals, real assets? Those are the most common, your real estate, right? And if you have like a treasury securities or, you know, stocks and bonds, those are additional collaterals uh, sometimes. 
But really, the real assets, real estate, is the primary security, uh, primary collaterals of uh, collateralized uh, borrowing for individuals. So that means if you have assets, if you have real assets, meaning the rich people, right? Then you are in a better place to borrow. If you're poor, you don't have collateral, so nobody will lend you money. In that sense, in in a low interest rate environment, as a rich person, you have collateral, you can borrow, and you can arbitrage. You can borrow cheap and invest in assets and uh, make a lot of money, <laughs> and that it aggravates, uh, you know, uh, uh, income inequality, wealth inequality even more, right? So the difference here is with on chain, even if you have, because it's it, it's uh, it's divisible, right? It's not like a house. It's it's a one house. You have to buy the whole house. You cannot just buy, you know, a few square meter of the house. Uh, you when when you have when it's on chain assets, it's divisible. You can you can have zero point zero 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 one Ethereum or Bitcoin. That's still you can use that as collateral to borrow some money. So in that sense, that entry barrier of borrowing is so much lower compared to in the TriFi system. And I'm talking about collateralized uh, borrowing and lending. Okay. So in that sense, it's it's going to tilt the distribution of debt towards the more even distribution across income income levels um, because the entry barrier of borrowing is so much lower. But this is not going to be a communist society, guys. This is not going to, of course, rich people have more tokens so they can borrow more. Of that's that's a, you know, goes that goes without saying. But still, compared to TriFi, this is, I think, a more equal distribution. Um, next, uh, Alpha A, glad you're covering GameFi. Uh, I don't know why he's asking GameFi, talking about GameFi, because I I don't remember I, I don't remember I covered GameFi in in the article, but he's saying GameFi uh, is uh, is is kind of uh, it 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 will uh, allow you to weather a downturn because everybody plays still plays a game in economic depression, right? So uh, so so. So that that should allow the I think that his point is that that should allow the games by or gaming sector to to perform better even in a recessionary environment. Uh, I think this this is theoretically true. Uh, behaviorally, yes, people will play game in downturn as well. Uh, they probably play more because you have higher unemployment, and you it's allow you to to make some short term cash right um, in in the play to earn uh, economies. Um, but the thing is, in reality, all the all the crypto space, all the risk assets in crypto are highly correlated. Even Bitcoin and uh, Web3 tokens, they're supposed to be, you know, very two very distinct different types of assets. One is a commodity like a gold. The other one is uh, like a tech stock. Um, they, the, theoretically very different, but in reality, token prices are all very highly correlated still. And there's barely this distinction of sectors in the crypto economy. So we're just only starting to have those because we're still so early, right? So at this stage, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, whether you are DeFi, GameFi, gaming, NFT, whatever, or Bitcoin, when the market liquidity reduces everything in the tank. <laughs> and uh, when you're in, a, in, in the boom, um, everything rises. So... Uh, I don't think we're there yet in terms of, you know, differentiating, okay, 
like in, in, in traditional, you know, equity investing. Okay, in a downturn, I invest in, you know, maybe the secular stocks, you know, value stocks. And in, in the up, upturn, you know, uh, easy money environment, I invest more in growth stocks. I think that that kind of thing will come later to crypto, but we are not there yet. Um, next question from the zero particle. You missed the most important one. Luna buying BTC to back UST. Oh, I okay. So I think this is this is uh, he's this is a question on on the other article that I wrote last week, which is about the market condition after the FOMC meeting, right? So FOMC had another meeting middle of March and Fed raised the interest rate 25 basis points and market rallied both stock and crypto afterwards. Um, so, and, and, and also uh, it's, it's pretty much uh, clear that uh, uh, at least uh, the you know the Federal Reserve gave the message that they're they're going to keep raising probably 50 basis points for each meeting going forward uh, throughout this year at least. So that 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 is the that is the message that they gave, which is a much clearer message compared to what what we had in December. So um, why did market rally after that? If you remember, if you watched uh, some of my previous videos, you know, a few a few videos before this one, I talk about, okay, we had a, you know, market sell-off in risk assets in the uh, last quarter, since last quarter of uh, uh, last year and also this year, right? Um, for the large part, I think because people are trying to front run the Fed because people see monetary tightening coming interest rate going up, liquidity going to be short. So it, it's a in, in anticipation to that kind of more harsh environment market sell off. And there is also to some degree of financial condition tightening, like a actual tightening in the market, because we have higher inflation, we have higher commodity pr prices. So all those things squeeze liquidity, right? And we had the, the bad news of uh, you know uh, Ukraine, Russia war, increased uncertainty about global growth. Uh, you know that kind of all all of those things is causing some some degree of tightening of financial conditions already, even without actual Fed raising rates. But that tightening is not to the that it's not nearly to the extent that will uh, justify like an over twenty percent sell off of Nasdaq in I think a little over a month, right? So that was a very big sell-off. So uh, that's why I, I, I said in previous videos that in, in large part, I think that is in anticipation of Fed actions that's going to take place in the future. However, because the market condition, it's a liquidity conditions is actually not bad. It's not that because remember we haven't tightened yet. It's, it's just a, a, you know, some degree of financial condition tightening, but not a huge one. So that that it's actually you know so so I expected there will be a mean reversion event, which means like the market will rebound from this, uh, you know, essentially deviation from the fund uh, the the sell off that's much bigger than the fundamental would justify. 
And I, so, so to me, this rally after the Fed meeting is that mean reversion because now we have the Fed coming out with the first tightening. You know, it's 25 basis point. Now that uncertainty is gone. Okay. So it's, so, so compared to December, the message is also much clearer. You anticipate it's, you know, Fed has, uh, you know, several people from the Fed has said, you know, 50, 50 basis point going forward every, every meeting. And in one of the future meetings, we're going to start uh, reducing balance sheet. It could be as early as the March, as the May meeting, which is in the first week of May, I think. Um, so that's a much clearer message, much more certainty. So to me, this is market. It's just an event of a market sell the sell the rumor and buy the news because now you don't have you have much less uncertainty in the market now. Uh, and, and, and there's really no news on the tightening front because you always know that the Fed is going to tighten it's, uh, now, but, but now it's uh, so much more clear what, what the path forward will be. So that gives the market a, a opportunity to bounce, provided that the liquidity condition, underlying liquidity condition is really not bad. It's just, you know, and, and you have a lot of cash sitting on the sideline, uh, even from people like me, <laughs> right? So, um, so, 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 so we had a huge bounce, but keep it, keep in mind that we, we are going into a, a environment that's going to be more, that's going to be, you know, financial conditions tighter and tighter, both from the monetary authorities, like federal reserves, uh, monetary policy change, and also from, you know, higher inflation, higher commodity prices. Those are going to persist for a while, right? Especially, you know, commodity prices. So marginally, it's taking out the purchasing power of the population. And for all the investors across the board, whether you're small retail or large retail institution, you, you, you're going to spend, for, for the retail investor, you can spend more money to buy your life essentials because the higher inflation. If you're a company, you, you spend more money on energy cost. So, so that's going to have leave less of a liquidity available, um, disposable cash available to actually, you know, buy the dip or, or actually, you know, speculate in the financial market. So, um, and, and, and not, not to mention that, that we are going to have, you know, further tightening from the monetary authorities. So that's why. My baseline is I do not expect us to see a new all-time high, meaning a higher high compared to what we already had last year um, in, 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 the, in the blockchain market. So, um, but you know, this balance can go very, can go pretty far, but just, I just don't see a new all-time high because we literally do not have, I don't, I, I don't think we have that moment of new, new liquidity coming into the market. Okay, that's the same. We we are only to going to have reduced liquidity going forward. Some people say, well, the Fed cannot tighten much because they're tightening into a recession already because U.S. economy is off the peak. That may be very true. Well, that is true. U.S. economy is off the peak, um, and uh, you know, you you you're heading downwards, right? You you're gonna hit a recession at some point. But the thing is, there is a timing issue, right? So the economy is still pretty hot. You, we're, we're talking about recession eventually yet, but is it going to happen in the next six months? I don't think so. Maybe it's like 12 months down the road or nine months or two to 12 months down the road. Okay. 
So at that point, maybe you and you 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 will have some kind of policy change. That will that will be my baseline. So, but st still, you know, meanwhile, in this six month window, a lot of things can happen. Market can still go down a whole lot, right? So, um, uh, so 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 that would so that would be my baseline. That this is a mean reversion event. <laughs> uh, that that is uh you know, um, the bottom line. Um. So there are some, you know, positive factor. Oh, and the other thing is that you, you have a, you reduced activity on chain as well. I call it a blockchain economy recession. Because <laughs> if you look at on chain activity, as I posted some charts in the article, you can check it out. I'll post a link in the description. Ethereum, Bitcoin, their activity level have been going down since last, uh, actually before, before June last year, they started going down. Um, you know, in the third, in, in Q3, they recover somewhat, but still it's lower than before. Um, newer chains depends on which chain you're talking about. Some of them, they were seeing, you know, increasing activities like Avalanche. It was increasing till the end of last year. And then it, it and then it has some, it, some, it had uh, some level of dip. Okay. Other chains, most of the other chains are doing like actually at the worst level. So my point is you have an on-chain economy recession already. You may say this is reflexive because these activities are associated with prices because prices down, people lost, people lost interest and they don't want to play on-chain anymore. When you have price going up, then people, you know, getting busier, you know, buying and selling assets on-chain. That is true. That is true. There is a huge factor of reflexivity in this. But what's also true is you have you have seen we have seen like a less and less narrative, new narratives or new innovations. Depends on your perspective. Okay. It's new innovations slash narratives coming out of the web three space is just because the innovation cycles, it has ebbs and flows, right? So uh, we had a bunch of innovations, 2019, 20, or even early 2021. But after that, it, it's uh, all the new things coming out. It's pretty marginal because you just you take a, it take a while for new new breakthroughs to happen. So that's just natural, right? So less of a fundamental trigger to the to 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 the um, to to the industry. Um, in, in, in the past few months. Uh, going forward, I don't see this change immediately in, in, in the next few months either. All in all, this means, you know, as, as I already mentioned, what my baseline is. There are some positive factors for sure. For example, the Russia-Ukraine war makes people realize, okay, financial sovereignty is really, really important. You do not want to rely on a financial system where some government somewhere can easily politicize um, finance or use it as a tool to censor you or, you know, do whatever they want. So that, that is, an, that definitely increased awareness about, of a general, among the general population, right? About that, that, that the importance of financial sovereignty and the kind of temper-proof financial system that's not being controlled by any party. So to me, this is hugely bullish factor that's going to propel propel adoption of Web three to a whole new level. Okay? I think this is this is much bigger 
bullish factor than most people realize. However, this is not the immediate factor. This is adoption is going to be gradual. Okay, this is a gradual factor. While in the short term, you have the liquidity squeeze that you you see coming. Okay, so uh, it's just the 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 time the the in in terms of timing. That bullish factor of long-term adoption is gonna is not gonna save the short-term volatility of the market. I don't think so. What it will likely it may do is it creates a higher floor compared to previous cycles. So maybe the prices will not drop as drastically. Maybe instead of eighty percent, you see fifty percent or forty percent. Okay. So maybe it will create like a. It will level up the floor of the volatility in the space, but it will not prevent cycle from happening. So um, that that would be uh, that would be my, my my take on on the market outlook. So this person, go back to the question I just read you before. This person is saying, "I missed the point of Luna buying BTC to back the UST," and what he means is this is the bullish factor that is called you know driving the market up. I think this is completely hogwash. Why? Because, okay. So, so just to briefly, what was what the story is? Uh, Luna tried to you know beef up the stability of uh, their stablecoin. So their plan is to sell Luna to a bunch of private investors over the counter, to you know use that fund to buy BTC to use as collateral to back their stablecoin UST. So that's the story. Okay. So, but but you look at it, you know where where does the money come from? Where, what <laughs> who are the investors that are buying those Luna? Okay, in in participating in the fundraise. Warren Buffett is not buying this fundraise. Okay, so it's a it's people. What I mean is people who are outside of crypto, they're not participate. It's not like people outside of crypto participating in the fundraise. Those are those investors that are buying the the、uh, OTC Luna, are insiders in crypto space already. Their liquidity is already in crypto. Okay, so what is fundamentally fundamentally driving driving the uh the whole industry the market cap the whole industry is new funding coming into the space. Okay, um, and this is this does not involve any new funding at all. You know. Because you have existing investors already, you know, OG players in the space. All their liquidity is in the space. <laughs> okay, so、um, this is not new money flow into crypto. It's just a redistribution among different tokens. And on top of that, it's an OTC deal, so you're selling Luna at a discount, right? So、um, although it's it's vested, right? It's it's a, it's a, the token is being. Gradually released over four years, so it's not like、uh, I I buy the Luna over discounted on OTC and I directly flip it and sell it at a higher price. So um, but but the thing is, essentially, this is I'm still buying this at a discount. Okay, so this is essentially I'm I I committed less. It took me less actual capital to buy the token than what the actual market price would require. What so does does that does that sound similar to something that you, <laughs> to to me this is analogy of that's why on on Twitter I said this is analogy you can think of it as a leveraged play, 
because the same same deal. And when you take on leverage, what happens? You commit less capital compared to buy this asset. You commit less capital compared to what what, what the market price would actually require you uh, to 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 purchase that amount of asset, right? So it's it's a, it's really you know similar to me as as a leveraged play, leveraged buy, even though there's no leverage involved, but it's a discount. Okay, so um. To me, this is just a no, no, no big, uh, no big change in in market fundamentals at all. It's just a you know, change in in liquidity allocation among two different tokens. That's all. So I, I think this is this so so called bullish factor is a huge meme, um, and uh, um, what is actually driving the um, uh, the 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 market rebound. Are the are the factors that that we have already talked about earlier? So, um, yep. Uh, how are we doing on time? We are at twenty eight minutes twenty two seconds right now. So, not bad, Tasha. Uh, we did it. And uh, thanks for listening. I will talk to you later. Okay, bye.